It's time for episode 173 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, January the 25th, 2017. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, a podcast that always obeys the laws of time, but not space. Those laws are dumb. I'm Jason Snell, and across the internet from me, my co-host, Dan Morin. Hi, Dan. Hi, Jason. If we're not obeying the laws of space, then, like we don't have to be across the internet. I could be right there. You, In fact, you are, as far as anybody what? knows. You could be anywhere. I'm, I'm right beside all of you right now. Well, this is Clockwise, where we spend 30 minutes talking about four tech topics every week with two wonderful guests. To my left, it is uh, one of the co-hosts of Remaster on this very network, Relay FM, longtime game uh, figure, now game developer again and returning guest Shahid Kamal Ahmad. Hello, welcome back. Thanks for having me again. It's good. You, we, I like you, you to class up the joint every now and then, so thank you for helping. <laughs> to my left, a second of our amazing guests, the chief awesome officer at the Unicorn Sidekick, and you know her from the chat room and Twitter as Mrs. Soup, Kathy Campbell's back. Hi, Kathy. Hi, I'm here to lower the expectations. <laughs> oh, good. We're even and out here. Yes, yes. <laughs> good. We got to keep it level. Even keel. Yes. So let me kick things off with my topic. Uh, Apple this week released a beta of iOS that allows developers to respond to reviews of their apps in the App Store. It provides an official way for apps to ask for reviews that will ultimately become the only way apps will be allowed. And I'm just curious what you think about these developments. Um, Can you believe that these things are happening? This has literally been a complaint since the very beginning of the App Store. And uh, is there anything left that Apple could do that you've sort of assumed would be impossible but might now be possible? Shahid? I'm not sure that this is an entirely good thing anymore. In the age of internet comments and trolls and so on, I mean, what could happen is that you have a cycle of negative comments that are being responded to by developers who are not experienced with trolling, and they could make the situation worse for themselves, perhaps encourage other people to jump on board. But that's looking at it purely negatively. I think For the experienced developers, this is great. But what would be really great is if Apple were willing to, and they'll never do this, but if Apple were willing to share user details like email addresses with app developers so that they had some ability to get back to customers in some way or reach out to customers of their apps. Because at the moment, of course, Apple technically, um, if not legally, owns the customer and the developer doesn't. And and that's a really difficult thing for developers to handle when they want to do updates or anything interesting outside of the App Store. The thing that I don't think, again, that I don't think they will ever do, but maybe they will, is trial versions of apps. Now, they've kind of done an end run around this by letting you sort of unlock features via in-app purchase and the stuff like that. Um, the Mac App Store especially, though, has it's always felt a little weird since the uh, the tradition in the Mac software field has often been for a free trial version that you can try out in some way, sometimes limited by features, sometimes limited by time, etc. but that you can try out before you spend all your money. Um, and, and obviously the Mac App Store 
doesn't really operate on that model, um, which can be frustrating because a lot of times developers want to be able to charge a reasonable rate for their products. And on Mac apps, that's often more expensive um, and it's traditionally been more expensive, but customers aren't always willing to pony up that larger fee without knowing whether or not the app does what they want it to do. So some developers run around this by having trial versions available on their websites um, or making the app also available on their website as opposed to just through the Mac App Store. But then the people don't know where to look because they look at the Mac App Store. So it's all very confusing, um, very fragmented. And I think it would really uh, be nice if there was a way to do that, actually sort of distribute a trial version uh, of an app and then, you know, pay for it if you decide that it that it's the app that you're looking for. And I think it would help developers uh, increase the prices of their apps because uh, customers would be more sure that what they're getting is what they're looking for. I love both of your guys's ideas, especially uh, the free version. And along kind of the same way as the App Store review, I would like a better way for uh, people to ask questions instead of just a review. So because sometimes people, uh, developers may not have an email address or like really good contact information. So having a, a, a public way for people to have questions for the developers that aren't in the review, I feel like would be a really good way to keep the reviews, well, maybe not away from the trolls because nothing will that won't happen, but um, <laughs> just a way to kind of have more communication between the developers and the users uh, that won't just uh, become a one-star review. It didn't do what I wanted it to do. Now, these are all great. Uh, in fact, those are the, the sort of my top uh, remaining impossible things. I guess I'll throw in there just for, for kicks. This is all going to happen on the Mac App Store, too. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say I would love to see Apple change their standards for what is allowed on the Mac App Store. I think that's also impossible. But uh, maybe, maybe things are coming true where you could have apps that are a little more complex that are not allowed in the Mac App Store right now because they don't follow like backup software, cloning software. Uh, yeah. It's just not it's just not allowed because it doesn't have right a- the right access to the disk and uh, they could open that up on the Mac and that could be okay uh, but we'll see but hey uh, responding to App Store reviews uh, kind of amazing polishing that one off uh, sort of eight and a half nine years after people were asking for it so <laughs> Uh, pretty interesting uh, let's move on to our second topic uh, Shahid what do you have for us the Mac just turned 33 Yay! Happy birthday! Happy birthday! What's the biggest secret to its success? And how can Apple ensure that it remains successful for the next 33 years? Thank God you're just asking the small questions today, (laughs) because I would hate to have to take on something. So, no, um, the, the secret, the biggest secret to the Mac success over the last 33 years, I would argue... This is going to be a little silly in some of the complaints that have come up uh, in recent years, but I would argue consistency of experience. And I know that's something that people feel like might be getting chipped away a bit um, as the years go by. But it's always astounded me that if you look at a, a Mac, you know, sit down in front of a Mac today and you sat down in front of, you know, a Mac in 1984, there are absolutely differences but that so much of your experience and your knowledge remains consistent in the fundamentals of how the operating system works. You double-click on icons, use drop-down menus, there's a mouse, you know, cursor, um, you know, there's a desktop. 
all of their folders, all of this stuff has, you know, been built on roughly the same bones going all the way back to 1984. And I think that's hard to overstate because, you know, there are a lot of changes that, that you know, have gone by in the rest of the technology world and a lot of places where people don't really stick to these things and they, you know, decide they have to adapt to whatever the latest and greatest f- craze is. Uh, and I think Apple has largely managed to avoid that, um, you know, by sticking to something that works really well. Not to say there aren't improvements to be made or that there aren't inconsistencies in there, but the bare bones of it is the same. Uh, in terms of remaining successful for the next 33 years, I think the most important thing for Apple to do right now is to figure out where the Mac as a product fits for it. Obviously, we've all heard the car versus truck analogy that Steve Jobs trotted out many years ago. Um, and I think it is clear that people who use Macs tend to be often if not power users people more invested in like the way that things have worked for them for the last 30 years you know that consistency again and having a certain amount of power and customizability at their fingertips so i think making sure that the mac has a distinct reason to exist and a a sort of a niche for it and for its users is probably the biggest thing that will keep it successful over the long term as a non-super techie person on my side uh, and a later comer to the Mac. Um, I've had a Mac for five years, so I'm, I'm still a relative newbie. Uh, but uh, the biggest secret that I really see in the Mac in the last 33 years is the fact that it is beautiful. Uh, aesthetics are one of the top things that it concentrates on. Um, so as soon as you go into a college classroom and you see, you know, a row of MacBooks, you're just like, ooh, it's so pretty. I mean, there's a reason that they're in so many TV shows and movies and things. They're pretty. And the problem I see in the future is that Apple can't just concentrate on aesthetics. They need to be be able to still make machines that do what they're supposed to do. And whether that involves getting the non iMac and notebooks up and running so that they can become more powerful. Uh, you just gotta, there's just so many things that it can do to get better. And I really hope that they stop looking at just the pretty in the year 2050. Which is 33 years from now, by the way. Seriously, 2050. In the year 2050, uh, the Mac will uh, will no longer be around. But good news, everybody. Uh, the iOS, which is based on the core of of uh, Mac OS 10, will continue to be around in some form. Now, will there be iPhones in the year 2050? Will there be iPads? Maybe, maybe not. Probably not. They'll certainly be very different from what they are today. Uh, but I feel you know, fairly confident. I, I uh, maybe greater than fifty percent that there will be some device that is in use in the year twenty fifty that is using a uh, a variant of some sort of what we think of now as iOS, whether it's uh, you know a, a in brain implant that's running a version of uh, Watch OS or something like that. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, I do think that uh, that some of this is going to still be around because you know what, tech old tech dies hard. And there's still old tech out there. And and in fact, even if you don't want to believe that Apple will be around in 33 years and that there'll be some device that Apple's making that is based on the roots of some of the stuff that can be traced back to Mac OS X, and of course that was a project involving Next and the original Mac OS kind of coming together, all right, I will give you that. Uh, then I, I am 
supremely confident that in 2050, just as in 1970, somewhere out there will be key systems running a Unix command line, because that thing's never dying. (laughs) (laughs) I always think about Alan Kay's quote, and I'm not sure he actually said this, but Steve Jobs apparently said that he said, people who are really serious about software should make their own hardware. And I think that, for me, has been the secret to Apple's success overall. Whenever they've been successful, it's because they've been able to integrate hardware and software seamlessly and beautifully. Even when they had to make a dramatic seismic shift, if you like, never mind step change. I was going to say step change, but that doesn't sum it up in 2001 when OS X finally came out. But, you know, that's tech that goes back to 85. But I agree with Jason, you know, Unix is never going to die. So... I think if they are to continue to be successful, they'll have to address some of the challenges they have faced over the last 33 years, including the shift towards the internet, the shift towards handling massive amounts of data. I mean, let's face it, podcasting hasn't actually been around that long because it just wasn't possible. So the volumes of data being moved around today by modern Macs is astonishing. And part of the problem for me with the Mac's potential long-term survival is that The locus of control, if you like, has shifted from the developer, which is where the Mac sits, or the power user where the Mac sits, towards Apple, where iOS devices sit. And it's not a big shift. It's a small shift. But it it hurts power users. It hurts developers when they feel that the platform they love so much is shifting in that direction, becoming more of a walled garden, not something that they control. I've always loved the Mac because it's a beautiful, functional, integrated piece of technology that is under my control. But with my iOS devices, I feel like I've got the same de- same kind of devices, same kind of spirit, but they're more under Apple's control than my control. And I kind of don't like that. So what I hope, I don't think this will happen, but what I hope is they're able to come up with some kind of spectrum or continuum that has devices all along it that cater for different needs. But I just don't see that happening. So who knows? VR, AI, um, augmented reality, speech input, uh, sensory input, thought input, whatever it is, I'm pretty sure they'll still be an Apple in 33 years' time. But whether a Mac will be around in 33 years' or t- time or so, I really don't know. All right. That was really great. And we are uh, halfway through the show now. So I'm going to take a break and tell you about one of our sponsors this week. This episode of Clockwise brought to you by a new sponsor, I believe, for Clockwise Away. Away makes premium suitcases that don't cost more than your plane ticket. They have fantastic features and they're under $300. Go to awaytravel.com slash clockwise and you'll be able to look at all of the Away Collections suitcases. They're made with premium polycarbonate, which is unrivaled in strength and impact resistance, but they're also incredibly lightweight. There are four different sizes. There is a carry-on and a bigger carry-on. There's a medium and a large, and they have nine fantastic colors so that you can choose the one that speaks to you. Away's carry-ons are all compliant with major U.S. airlines while still maximizing the amount you can pack, and they all have four 360-degree spinner wheels. Four is so much better than two. They have TSA combination locks built in and a removable washable laundry bag, too, so you can keep the cleans away from the dirties. And perhaps the coolest feature of the Away carry-on is that it comes with an integrated USB power supply. There's a, there's a battery inside. You charge it up before you go, and then if you're somewhere, like at the gate or in the cab or wherever you are on your travels and you need to charge up your phone or 
or a laptop or, or iPad or whatever, you plug it in and it's enough battery to charge your phone five times. So if you end up in a pickle somewhere, you're stuck in an airport and you can't get to a plug, you've got power with you. It's pretty cool. I got one of these the other week. I'm looking forward to taking it to LA in a few weeks when I travel there. I've been going with uh, gym bags and things like that, for, and I've never had a, a real proper carry-on suitcase, so I'm really looking forward to using it and using the charging features. And our old luggage, we actually just, when we came back from our trip to Hawaii, uh, we decided that one of our suitcases was going to be put out uh, to the cornfield because it has those two wheels instead of four, and one of them's now got a divot in it, so it kind of goes click, 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 click. And I get the away suitcase and I'm rolling it around our living room. I'm like, oh my God, it's like it's a hoverboard. It's quite, quite amazing. And there's a lifetime guarantee. So if anything on the away breaks, they will fix it or replace it for the life of the suitcase. There's a hundred day trial so you can live and travel with it and decide if you don't like it, you can just send it back. No questions asked for a full refund. So to find out more about away, go to awaytravel.com slash clockwise and use the code clockwise to get $20 off any suitcase. Awaytravel.com slash clockwise. Or visit their retail stores in New York, LA, or London. Thank you to Away for supporting Clockwise. All right, half time's over. Dan, what's your topic? So we already talked about the iOS beta that came out this week. Let's let's shift gears to the Mac beta. Um, the the news is that the biggest feature to come to the new Mac beta is the introduction of Night Shift, um, which was introduced to the uh, to iOS devices not too long ago. This is the feature that adjusts the color temperature of the display as you go on throughout the day, so that in the evening you get a warmer light, in the day you get sort of a bluer light Uh, my question for you guys is do you already use it on your iphone or ipad do you find it beneficial um were you a flex user on the mac what do you think of this feature coming to mac os kathy so when i'm not prancing around as a unicorn and helping other people uh, i am also a photographer and the idea of my monitors changing the white balance scares me greatly. Uh, so no, I will not be using it on my computers. I do have it on my iPhone and iPad because it's just easy. And I very rarely am awake late enough because I am a little old lady. Uh, so I'm usually in bed asleep uh, not too long after the uh night shift turns on, which uh, I get, you know, I every so often I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what that is and move on. But for the most part, it's not really a part of my life. I use Flux for a little while on my Mac and I probably will use this because um, not because I mean, is it beneficial? I find that it's a little bit easier on the eyes. I'm not sure I believe that it's going to dramatically change my uh, sleep cycle. But I do find it easier on the eyes in this uh, midwinter when it's pretty dark. Sometimes when I wake up, um, having that screen or as I'm going to bed, having that screen be not the super bright bluish white uh, and being a little more gentle just feels a little bit better. Um, and so having that kind of subtly happen on my Mac in the evening when I'm uh, when the sun's going down and I'm I'm out here working, uh, yeah, I'll probably give it a go. But uh, to Kathy's point, there is that moment where you think, why does everything look kind of orange? It's like, oh right. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, I'll I'll try to use it with care. I use Night Shift on my iOS devices. And I've been using Flux for quite some time on my Mac. Though when I do a late coding session and I'm using the Mac, 
I see the thing kick in and I'm always going for the delay this by one hour thing because, you know, it's like hitting the snooze button in the morning if I'm doing a late night thing. Yeah, just give me another hour. Just give me another. And then eventually it'd be like midnight. This doesn't happen very often, by the way, but it'll be midnight. Like, you know what to hell with this and I'll just turn it off. But for some reason on the iOS devices where I'm not working, I find it quite relaxing, quite acceptable, and it helps me to wind down. Um, on the odd occasion when my wife has noticed my screen and I've tried to show her an image of some logo or something, she's an artist and she says, what the hell is wrong with your screen? (laughs) 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 So, so it's not great for people who are, you know, visually attuned to the correct white balance, but for someone like me, who's half blind, it's, it's pretty decent. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I use a Kindle just before I go to bed so it doesn't matter yes. there's all that light going straight into my eyes and I fall asleep no problem at all uh, I think I'm probably pretty similar to most of you like Jason um, I don't think it necessarily helps my sleep at all but I do definitely find it easier on the eyes um, so I have it go on at sunset and then off at sunrise I occasionally have those mornings where you get up before sunrise and I'm like wow what's wrong with my phone um <laughs> And but I also have that same problem, especially when I was um, I remember watching, I think when I was traveling, I was watching something on Netflix on my iPad with my girlfriend. She's like, why is it so dark? <laughs> it's like, yeah, <laughs> colors seem kind of off. I'm like, oh, yeah, night shift. Um, so there are definitely certain things where it I end up turning it off because it, it just adversely affects the application I'm using. Um, it's fine. It took me a while to get used to on iOS because it is very different from the screens that we've come to use for the last decade uh, or more. And so it took me a while to sort of get adjusted to it. But now that I am adjusted to it, I don't notice it quite as much unless I am doing something that is really, um, you know, graphics oriented or video oriented or something like that. So I'm I'm definitely going to give it a shot on on the Mac, assuming it even works on any of my Macs. Um, but I I will be interested to see whether or not it it makes my experience using it better or just super distracting. Uh, thanks for your thoughts on that. Let's get to our last topic from Kathy. It's been a theme this week on uh, a couple of other relay shows. Time tracking. Do you do it or not? I have tried it. In fact, I was trying it this week. My problem is I'm still looking for a tool that will be... This is my complaint about a lot of organizational stuff is... I always get the sense at some point in an organizational tool that I'm spending more time working on the organizational tool than doing the work that it's supposed to help me organize. And the same goes for time tracking. I feel like I I, uh, I tried a time tracker on the Mac this week. And, you know, instead of just being able to set up a bunch of buckets and hit a keystroke or choose a menu command, it wants me to fill out a form and like choose a pop up and say what project I'm working on and all that. And it's too much for me. And so I'm still kind of searching. I would like to find an easy way to uh, get a sense of exactly what I'm spending on my, t- my time on day to day so that I can figure out how I need to rebalance. But I want that to be as frictionless as possible. And I'm just not there yet. Fight time trackers. Fight them. Fight them. <laughs> they are so bad. Oh, my God. Time and motion studies. I'm, I'm a type 1 diabetic, so I have to test my blood sugar all the time. And that's about the only thing I want to be tracking because, you know, let's face it, my life depends on it. But now that I've gone rogue and I work for myself and and so on, I know that if I don't work on the most important things, then basically, you know, no roof over the head, family doesn't get fed and all that kind of stuff. So I know that I'm going to be focusing long and hard all day long, 
on my most important tasks. And if I'm not, then money's not going to come in. You know, that's that's the indicator. I have tried stuff like rescue time in the past to mm-hmm. track what I was doing. But I did that when I knew I was wasting my life and wasting my time on stuff I shouldn't be doing. And the problem was I didn't really have a purpose or a mission or objective. And once I did, everything just hung off that. And I didn't have to track the minutes because every single minute I had was going towards my purpose and my missions and my objectives and so on. So yes, fight the power. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm on board with that. I don't time track. I have no interest in it whatsoever pretty comfortable with mostly how I use my time and I'm not very good at those uh, any sort of tools to try I barely am good at using to-do list people let's let's <laughs> not get let's not get in over our heads um, you know like Shahid, I've you know I'm I'm a independent worker which means I need to be working on whatever is at the front of my plate right now because otherwise I don't get paid and then I can't afford a time tracker so that's kind of moot <laughs> um, you know and so for me I, I don't really I think it's a lot of navel gazing and I'm sure there are people who benefit from it but I, I just it's one of those things that makes me roll my eyes and think that you're if you're interested that much in the statistics, then you're you've got too much time on your hands. Already. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I find that so interesting. Um, so I use time tracking. Some of my clients I do hourly. So, of course, I track it that way. But most of the time uh, when clients come to me, it's because they have not enough time and they have too much work. And so in order to better help them figure out what they're able to get rid of and maybe um, find more time in their day to do their main objective and what's important, I have them track their time so that we can see what their business is taking up most of the time and maybe administrative tasks or something that can be transferred to someone else uh, or uh, just figure out ways to make it streamlined and easier. So yes, I time track uh, when I'm not uh, tracking minutes for clients. I tend to do a more generic, like just, uh, I'm working on this right now and then I'm working on this. And, uh, it really helps me make sure that I'm putting my time where it needs to be. All right. That is four topics done. We have just enough time for a bonus topic. Our bonus topic this week brought to you by Mac Weldon, which is better than whatever you're wearing right now. I've talked about Mac Weldon before. They make comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants. They are so comfortable. My upgrade co-host, Mike Hurley, I believe, just lives in the sweatpants now. He just won't wear any other kind of pants but the sweatpants. That's just how it is. It's so comfortable he can't stop you from ruining him. Mac Weldon, damn you! Uh, <laughs> easy to buy on Mac Weldon's website. You click around. Uh, the more you buy, the more you save. Uh, super easy to check out. And then you get these products and they're great. They're super comfortable. I'm very happy with the uh, Mac Weldon stuff that I've got. Uh, they want you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair of what you've ordered from Mac Weldon, just keep it. They'll refund your money, give it to a friend, uh, donate it, whatever. If you don't like it, you're probably not going to keep wearing it. So you can just uh, pass it on. No questions asked. And not only do Mac Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well. They're good for working out, going to work, going on dates, living your everyday life. They work in all situations. And you can get 20% off at MacWeldon.com. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com using the code clockwise to get 20% off. Thank you, Mac Weldon, for sponsoring the bonus question at Clockwise and also for your underpants. Okay, here's the bonus question. Uh, I, and I, I admit this is a setup for Shahid, but I don't care. I'm going to ask it. Hey, we talk about time on the show a lot because it's clockwise. What time is your alarm clock 
set for? And if you don't set an alarm, when do you usually wake up? My three alarms are set for, <laughs> respectively, 4.30, 4.31, and 5.10 a.m. <laughs> I feel like I knew I knew this topic was because you had Shahid on the show because I've heard about his routine before and it terrifies me. Uh, I don't set an alarm anymore unless I really like have a specific appointment I need to get up for. Uh, I find that my body clock is usually pretty good and gets me up around the same time between eight and eight thirty or nine, uh, unless I'm you know like sleep deprived and and sleep in. So uh, alarms, man, they just they just hurt me. <laughs> my alarm is set for six, um, and I usually will turn it off and do a nice slow wake up and then I'm out of bed at seven. And for me, I don't have an alarm either, but that's okay because I have a dog who comes in and makes loud <laughs> snorting noises at 6.45 and that's that. So I might as well wake up. All right. That's great. We've uh, we've learned a lot about how late Dan sleeps and uh, we and about four great tech topics. So it's nothing left to do but thank our guest, Shahid Kamal Ahmad, uh, co-host of Remaster on Relay FM. Thank you so much for being here. My absolute pleasure. Kathy Campbell from the Unicorn Sidekick, thank you so much for coming back as well. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, Dan, we made it through another one. How about that? I'm just glad that we both survived. Okay, I'm going to turn off my time <laughs> tracker now. Uh, 30 minutes to clockwise. And I'm going to use my time turner to go back to the beginning of the show. And all that's left to do is thank everybody out there for listening. And remember, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye.